He was like trying to clarify that he wasn't actually a cat. Never forget that you have the tools to build a life on your own terms. Forget the haters. They hate us because they ain't us. This is Founder Quest. I've been like texting with this Zoomer person and like their emoji game is so deep and subtle that I just don't even know how to respond to these. Th like I'm just I'm just like a thumbs up and they're just like emoji of falling leaves. It's like how like what how do I interpret that? Is that, that is that the that difference I, between us and them? Is that they actually use all the so. emojis? And <laughs> we use like so, yeah. we use like six. <laughs> I was like, I thought about I, I was just like, I can't just reply to this with the heart. So I just went and I was just like, emoji of panda bear. I was like, that seemed to be like an appropriate reaction to falling leaves. But I like I really don't know. Like I could have just completely been a jerk without realizing it. Yeah, who can say? Yeah. yeah, I hadn't thought about it, Josh, but yeah, I, I, I think I can list the emojis that I actually used. Let's see, there's thumbs up, there's troll face, there's pile of poop, smiley face, <laughs> heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You should get them tattooed on your arm. The other, I think the, our other defining characteristic is that we will, we're the generation that uses, still uses text emoji, like, and, yeah. and thinks it's cool. <laughs> I don't think it's cool anymore, but sometimes I'm just like, this is just what I'm doing. This is who this I am. I'm like, just going with it. Yeah, it's just, we've accepted it now. Because if we, if we keep at it long enough, like it'll come back around. Like I've seen some people use text emojis or yeah, like text. They're not really, they're emoticons, right? Mm -hmm. They're not emojis. Or yeah, right. And yeah, but it's like, again, again, like the Zoomers with the super, <laughs> like the super nuanced emoticon game. Mm -hmm. Like there's... I mean, they're not typing these out. That's for sure. Like they've got like a clip file of these somewhere. It's like, well, it's like a different, it's like an additional vector of communication. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're just, you're, I don't know. I, we'll never be fluent. I think, I think emoticons are vastly superior to emoji, especially for like this mighty face case, because it's always going to be the same representation, no matter what platform you're on, but the emoji, they change, right? An Apple emoji yeah. is different from a Google emoji, et cetera. So like. If you send an emoticon, you know what you're going to get. But I if mean, you send emojis, person, like, who knows? What if the person's using wingdings as her font, though? <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, I guess <laughs> I hadn't thought about that one. Comic Sans. You I got guess me. They kind of had similar problems, like, back when uh, emoticons were, were all their age, like, when they were first discovered. Like, what, what happens if they're, like... I, I think know. I think emoticons are just going to be a symbol of the crusty old man syndrome. Like you know, I also prefer text-based email, right? So, yeah, it's a get off yeah. my lawn. Definitely shaking my fist yeah. at clouds. On text-based email, that made me reminded me of one thing I like about Front, which we recently switched for our support to Front, and they have a markdown markdown mode, and I like writing uh, my yeah. email in markdown. So, what is Front? Could you describe it? It's like a, a shared a shared team inbox, kind of like, I mean, kind of like a support tool. I mean, it, we're using it as a support tool, but I think it's more than that. Like it, it's, it has like a deep integration with Gmail and basically lets like a whole team like share the same like Gmail inbox basically, but they have their own app and everything. And then it adds like collaboration features to your email. So like you can assign email you can add people to like your you can even add like your personal email to it so like you could assign like a personal email to someone on your team and it would like move it to their inbox which is handy for delegation yeah i just started 
messing around with it and I really I really do like it. I really like this sort of email centric focus of it. Yeah. Where it's like, yes, you can use this as support, but that's not really the only thing it's for. It has a bunch of add-ons, which we still need to explore a little bit. And I know like it also supports like you can you can do custom like you can add custom like panes to it, kind of like help help scout could, which we need to add for like so that when someone emails us to our support address, like it'll it'll pull up their customer information from our like proprietary admin tool. Yeah, the, I haven't done that yet because the way that Front does it is, of course, different than the way that Help Scout yeah. did it. But I, I much prefer the way that Help Scout did it. Like they really, they hit a they hit an HTML endpoint that you define and then rendered the HTML inside the Help Scout UI. Now, of course, it had to be simple, like just a you know an LI or P or whatever. You couldn't do all kind of crazy stuff because the the space in which you would render was very limited. But at least it was straightforward. Like all I had to do was dump out some HTML. But with uh, Front, it's like, well, you've got to create this single phase JavaScript app and you know talk to our API. And it's like, oh, you know, just never mind. Yeah, go. That's what. Else. That's why I heard about it. Like that, it's it's much more like you can do more with it, but it lacks that simplicity. And yeah. I agree with you that I I personally would prefer like the Help Scout approach, which is like you know it's almost dumb, but it's. It's good in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the only thing yeah, I'm re we were using that for is to link out to our admin tool anyway. So, you know, and, and display some text. So yeah, not even emoji, just want to display some emoticons. You know? Yep. But I don't but know. Front is nice. Like I'm, I'm glad we switched. The, the one thing I wish that it did as well as Help Scout is having a widget on the page that's not a chat widget. So I really liked having the Help Scout widget because it, you know, just dumped. Someone could use our app, open up the widget to contact support, and it would send us a message rather than starting a chat, which yeah. uh, we we prefer. And Front doesn't really have that. They have they have a chat thing, and mm -hmm. they do have a support for like a form submission, which you would think would work, but it's limited to like one URL. You have to specify what URL it is at. And it's like, well, I mean, that doesn't work inside of our app because our users are all different URLs every time they talk to us. So it's really that, that feature from front is really meant for like a contact page on a website that's static, right? Oh, that's right, yeah. Not really a good fit for us. So that's, that's kind of frustrating. So we had, it's now we don't have a widget and uh, I don't like that as much. Like basically every, every support link now in the app is, well, just email us at support. Yeah, which is fine, but it's just not as nice as having that widget. Yeah, Help Scout definitely seems like it's a little bit more tailored, like specifically for like our SaaS use case was. Mm -hmm. But yeah, overall, like the collaboration flow in front is just, it seems to be better. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Help Scout gets a lot right. And yeah. Front also doesn't do like, like if you have like documentation that you're also hosting with your support, like. Uh, Help Scout has like a docs feature. And the thing that's nice about their widget is that if you use the docs feature, it also integrates with that. So like you can send them to the docs first before they create a ticket, but we never use that. So it wasn't a deal breaker for us. I don't really like it when I go to support and it's like, what's your problem? And I start typing and it's like, you know, here's some yeah. or help. It's like, how often do you click on, like, does it actually? Like, I Yeah, I yeah. do click on it sometimes. It's like, this is not, you know, this is not what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> like, that's why I'm looking for support, not going to your help. Like, yeah, question. that's a good like, point. Help, help desk. Not, I am going to your help desk. I'm not going to your docs. Yeah. 
Let's see. Like, I think like it's probably, it depends on like how competent or savvy, like your users are too, because like, if, if you're the type of person that like goes and looks in the docs, like assumes that there's, you're going to find, you know, you search for the answer first, which I usually do. Like if it's something simple that I know is going to be in the docs, I'll assume that it, you know, they've got it there and I go look for it, which is why it annoys me when I go to like, I have like a tech, something super specific and it's like trying to suggest like some random, you know, like the, the simplest possible guess. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a lot of people like what companies that have like a high volume of of a support, you know, that get a lot of the same questions and stuff. Like I could see it being useful there. Yeah. To your point there, I was wondering if perhaps those kinds of systems are better for more general use case apps, you know, depending if have an audience that's not technical, that's you yeah. know, doing, you know, like QuickBooks, right? If you, yeah. if you're in QuickBooks, you need some help about, I don't know, your payroll and you start typing, you know, W2. Well, that's, there's a good chance that they're, they have a help desk, you know, knowledge-based article about W2s that will answer your question, right? But, yeah. you know, if you're a software developer using a very technical tool, you know, if you've probably done, as a developer, you've probably done everything you possibly can not to contact support because you don't want to talk to people, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've done all the research and like, there is there is nothing that's going to help you. So by the time you get to the point of saying, okay, please help me with, you really don't need a suggestion that's, for the documentation. Yeah, that's true. It is a last resort for me. Like, yeah, yeah. totally. Exactly. By the time I'm like, please help me. I'm like, I've been in the desert for seven days. I'm dying of like, thirst yeah. and sunburn. The vultures are circling above me. <laughs> right. I've read like your entire site, like on the Wayback Machine. <laughs> 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 yeah. I've read uh, your blog. I've listened to all your podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> better than you know yourself. I followed you yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Visit your ancestral home. <laughs> please help. Even uh, like a like a like an app like even like ConvertKit comes to mind um, as the kind of like you know because they they have a much broader audience like you know just you know bloggers. Did you see that? I guess like Arnold Schwarzenegger is using ConvertKit now, and like I didn't see that. I, he awesome. was like interviewed talking about his newsletter with I think with Jimmy Kimmel, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it was. Fun to watch, you know, someone from our. Did he name drop convert kit on the on Jimmy? Kimmel? No, they did. They were talking about his actual newsletter because, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he knew. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what's that celebrity celebrity like hiring platform where you can? Yeah, I can't remember now. I just want to hear like Cameo. Arnold Schwarzenegger Cameo. say say. I just want to hear Arnold Schwarzenegger say Honey Badger. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. He that might be, be on very, there. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. In like a Terminator voice, like oh, that would be oh. You could always like tweet at him like every day for a month and see if you could get his attention because he seems like the kind of guy like if it, if he just happened to have a little extra time, he'd he'd throw it out there for you. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. There you go. It's like you got to link it to fitness. It's like every day I don't, you know, like yeah, every like day just I'm gonna like exercise more until you. He could just record a little, you know, little video between reps. Speaking speaking of Arnold, there's a there's a funny bit by Fluffy the comedian about meeting Arnold, so you should go check it out. I'll see if I can find the link and send to you. It's it's funny. It's worth it's worth the five minutes or whatever to watch. Yeah, cool. Oh, so look, are we going to talk about Rails? <laughs> Do we need to talk about Rails? <laughs> you know, man. Star Star was just waiting for it. Yeah, Star's like, oh yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so this week there's been some news in the Rails community, thanks to Basecamp. 
who, you know, of course, the co one of the co-founders of Basecamp is DHH, David Hanemeyer Hansen. And he's also the creator of Rails. And he created Rails for Basecamp. And since Basecamp was in the news this week in such a spectacular way, it has now spilled over to the Rails community. And it's, I suppose, we should talk about the Basecamp stuff first. And then we can talk about the Rails stuff. They, oh, yeah. I know about the Basecamp stuff. I haven't been paying attention to, to Rails land in the past couple of days. Yeah. So. Well, we have yeah, drama so. to report, Star. So there is drama. Really? Well, oh, we'll my God. Fill this you is in. the best. Yes. <laughs> Like yeah. the the founder quest gossip sesh. <laughs> so on on the Basecamp thing, you know, so Jason Fried came out with his post talking about some changes they're making at Basecamp, and you know, one of the changes is we're not going to have these political conversations anymore. And with about that level come, of information, yeah, about that level of information, and you know, I'm sure people internally knew. The background, of course, no one on Tuesday outside of Basecamp knew the background. Now, over the week, there was some reporting done that exposed some of that background. And then, you know, DHH came out with some more after that reporting had been done. It's just like this, this snowball. But, you know, on Tuesday, when that first hit, I was actually chatting, chatting with someone about this. And my first thought was like, well, two, I had two thoughts. Well, many, but the first two thoughts were... It really seems like, and again, having no inside knowledge, it seems like this could have been communicated better internally before it was communicated externally. It seems like that was mm -hmm. like the initial impact that I saw on Twitter was a lot of people, employees of Basecamp being blindsided by this. And I thought, well, that's, it seems like that could have been handled better. It seems like they were feeling like they weren't heard or they didn't have a chance to, to have input onto that thing before it went public. And the second thought I had was, that was one item out of a list of items of changes that they're making at Basecamp. And some of the other items were definitely worth talking about, but they all got lost in the noise about that, that one item. You know, things like we're not going to do 360 degree reviews anymore. Mm -hmm. Things like we're not going to be paternalistic in the benefits we offer. I think each of those things were interesting and deserve their own conversation, but having them all be right there paired with the whole, we're not going to talk politics anymore, a thing was, I think, to me was, was disappointing because I thought there was great stuff that could have been great conversations, but just got lost in the, in the fear. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Ben Thompson had pulled out, like the thing that he kind of focused in on was actually the, the, the benefits thing in terms of like, just, you know, broader, the broader, like, you know, base camp business analysis that, that he's done in the industry, but that's like, yeah, he made some some interesting points just about how that like actually that like actually does fit with that's a very base camp thing to do is like you know they're kind of trying to like you know they've always been like the anti silicon valley company and that's kind of like taking the opposite position of like you know the you know googles and facebook's and apples with like you know that have a campus where they expect you like to live your life and everything's included and you know they're like you know, giving you perks or rewards for like staying, you know, exercising and staying healthy and things like that. But yeah, that didn't get really discussed a whole lot. I, I saw a few people talk about it. Maybe after all this blows over, we can circle back to like the, the actual <laughs> business discussions. But yeah, I had the same thought. Like it just, it seemed like, like we and them, like them being the base camp employees were like, ha like reading this at the same time, which doesn't seem 
like that just didn't seem right. Like, yeah, which really surprised me. And I kind of like had the same thought, like they must have been discussing this internally before this came out or something must have happened, but they didn't really go into it at all. And they left a lot of like, I think questions on the table, which is what, you know, the some journalists then, you know, picked up on it and started digging to figure out what that story was, what was the backstory, which turned out to be kind of dumb in my opinion. Do you know, did you read the, the Verge article star? I didn't read the follow up. No, no. I've been kind of cut off from the news this week. I mean, there were, I obviously this was only one part of it, but it's, it sounded like the thing that like was the, you know, the last straw that led to Jason and David, like, you know, making this blanket decision was that there had been this internal, I guess their customer support team, like long way back had started this list of funny customer names, customer names that made them laugh, which just seems shitty. It is shitty. Like, it just seems like a dumb, like, like, especially if, you know, being who they are, but even for us, like, I'm like for a company like us, like where we've like made, you know, customer, like our talked about our customers so much and, you know, the customer support is everything to us and all that. Like, it's just like, you're, you're keeping a list of like where you, you know, mock and um, laugh at your customers. It just, yeah, it's backwards. And yeah. And I don't know, it just seems like the kind of thing that I would immediately, like, I understand, I'm not necessarily surprised that, you know, like, you know, in a company with, you know, lots, you know, tens of employees or more, like, you know, you can't necessarily keep tabs on everything, but like they were aware of it. And it just seems like the kind of thing that you would be like, you just, you know, acknowledge it, like kind of like he did at first, but then just like, I don't know why it had to turn into an argument. It's like, yeah, that was bad. We're not going to do that, <laughs> you know? And I don't know. Yeah. It seems, it seems like, I, I mean, the conversation that I had earlier this week, I, I came to it saying, well, I can see, I can see both sides of this issue, right? I can, from a business owner's perspective, I can see where David and Jason might have been frustrated with like, let's just get work done. Like, why are we spending all this time? Like, can we just settle this? Can we move past it, right? Can we move on? And like, again, Tuesday, I didn't know what the context was, but now that I know, okay, this this funny names list, okay, let's, yes, that was a mistake. Yeah, that's we bad. We shouldn't do it again. Let's move forward. And then do we need to spend all of our cycles at work talking about, you know, these kinds of issues when, that's not what we're here for. We're here to like build a product to serve our customers, right? So I can totally see that side of the issue. And I'm I'm just guessing that's where David and Jason were coming from. It's like, let's let's just get to work, right? But on the other hand, I think a lot of employees that were that I saw on on Twitter were kind of frustrated, feeling like, well, we don't we feel silenced, right? We feel like we don't have a place to express our views about these issues, which are important to us. And I can totally get that too. It's like, well, you spend a lot of your life at work, right? And for a lot of people that is, they're, they're socializing too, especially in COVID days when you're locked into your house, right? If you're, if you're a hundred percent remote company like Basecamp or like we are, and Basecamp is very, has a lot of remote. I, I can totally relate to like, Hey, my Slack is where my friends hang out. Like I'm, I'm hanging out with Star, I'm hanging out with Josh and I like chatting with them and talking about the things that matter to me. Right. And so I, yeah. I, I get how you could feel shut down. But so I can see, I can see both sides. But I think like, I think it comes back to like a lot of companies, I'm going to, I'm going to, a lot of companies will say like, we're family. And even, even some companies that I admire have that as one of their core principles. And I, I can respect that approach, but I totally disagree with it. Like my company is not my family, right? My family is my family. 
my company, we might be friends, right? That, that, that would be a good thing, but we might not be. But at least we can be kind to each other, right? At the very minimum, we can be accepting of everyone. We can be kind and tolerant of everyone and respect when we have differences of opinion or differences of lifestyle or differences of right. approach or whatever, right? But, we, we all are going to have a diversity of things. And I think we all should come to work in whatever situation we're in with, with an appreciation for differences and acceptance of differences. But at the same time, like we don't have to focus on that all the time, right? That doesn't have to be our thing. Like, yes, we're different. We also have a common goal in this business to serve customers, make money, et cetera. Yeah. Just getting wrapped around that axle of like, well, if I can't, you know, talk about all my things all the time, yeah, you're going to be frustrated. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, there's, it's tough. There are limits. Like, it seems just like a very delicate thing that like you can't, yeah. I think one of the big, I think one of the potentially one of the mistakes or at least one of the issues with like what, what they like their response was, was that they made a blanket, they made a blanket decision that like banned an entire category or categories of like opinion and feedback, like at the company versus yeah. I think it would have been different if they had said in that specific instance, like, yes, the, like for the first part of uh, David's response was like, yeah, this was like a systemic failure of uh, Jason's and mine that this list existed for so long. Yes, we were, we were like, perf we were like, you know, vaguely aware of it or whatever. And we let it continue. We didn't really like focus on it and it's wrong. And we're, you know, we're shutting it down now and just, and then, you know, say like, okay, like now we've discussed this and this is like the decision on this issue and we're moving on. Let's get back to work instead of like, going to the second half of his, you know, response, which like proceeds to argue like specific points of the discussion with the employees, which kind of seems to further, you know, it furthers the debate or argument on the issue. Like if it had just been like, okay, this has gone far enough. Like this is getting a little out, out of hand, even in my opinion, like we're shutting, you know, this is the, this is the decision. This was bad. We're not going to do it anymore. I'm closing the thread or whatever. Like, I don't think they would have had the same response, I assume, as if compared to like going public and saying, okay, we're not, we're never going to have a conversation like this ever again, which by the way, was not just somewhat random political. It wasn't like, you know, some, they weren't like arguing in favor of a politician or something like it wasn't, or a social issue even, it was about the company itself. So when you say like, you've worked here you've worked here for 15 years and you're not allowed to raise concerns that you have about the place where you work anymore. I could kind of see where, you know, that's, that's not cool. Like, yeah. and it's not that I don't, I don't like broadly, I, I probably broadly like lean towards their point of view, like David and Jason in terms of, and yours, Ben, like in terms of like, I think like a, a business should exist, like to have a, like a very more specific mission and it shouldn't be, like, you know, your entire life, like I think people are served better by, you know, having different facets of their life and just, you know, business is one of them. And hopefully you work at a company where you, you know, support, you both have the same mission, but yeah, it just, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that you can just like blanket statement, like, you know, blanket say like, this is, we're not going to ever discuss, you know, political or social issues ever right. again. Like, how do you do that? Like, and especially considering like, David and Jason are two of the most like political, <laughs> like <laughs> David is like, like arguing political issues in front of Congress for crying out loud. So like, 
yeah. yeah. I just I I agree with you with you both a lot. I think the like one thing that is just true. I think is that like if you're in a group of people and you're trying to like be good and like do whatever the right thing is, and you know, because like in any group of people, like people are going to sometimes mess up and. That will require course correction and and everything and like and that's going to be uncomfortable and it just seems like like being able to exist in that kind of discomfort is a really important skill to have when it comes to just getting along and and sort of leading a, a company and what the the thing that struck me when I when I read this post at first. It's like the very first thing that struck me is like this has like real big like daddy's mad energy. Same, like, same, Ooh, yes. Daddy's mad. Daddy's like daddy's mad. Oh no. Well, like, um, yeah, and they mentioned the like, paternalistic benefits, but I think the the term paternalistic almost like fit the whole narrative even better. Does, yeah, yeah exactly. that was my thought too. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's like there's, I, it's like I don't know, like the kid's upset with something about their ice cream cone. And, and so like daddy just storms in and be like, nobody eats anything. No, <laughs> no more ice cream. That's, that's kind of the energy it has to me. I think I said that and to my kids last was, night. <laughs> the fact that it was like, not, this was not discussed with people. Like this was just sort of handed down in a kind of dictatorial way. I don't know. Further is that right. And it's like, it's also kind of interesting because Basecamp has held itself up as this model of like how to be a small business and stuff. And like, this is like this, I feel like this letter is a very clear consolidation of power. Like maybe power had gotten a little bit too dispersed among employees. Yeah. Committees. And, stuff, and this is kind of a, col a consolidation of power back into like the, the, I don't know. I, I don't know if, if Jason is a model. I know that Jason and David are kind of equals. I don't really understand how that relationship works, but whatever it is, I, I, I got that feel from it. Yeah. It sounded like it was like, yeah, they're just moving power back into the hands of upper management because it, it talked about like the committees because they disbanded all the committees that, well, the couple few committees that had started and said, I think just it was moving responsibility for those issues. were moving back to like the whatever head of whatever department that related to. So Ooh, I wonder. I wonder if we're going to get a book from them about waterfall uh, management now, waterfall <laughs> development. Yeah, like that's going to be the <laughs> If anybody could do it, like DHH. <laughs> yeah, Star. I think you made a great point there, and that you know, Jason for a large part, and and David as well, put themselves forth as an example of this is how it should be done. Right? It, they were very public about their very opinionated approach to business, and I think. A number of people were just blindsided by seeing this kind of thing coming from them when they had bought into this idea that, yes, Jason and David are into the progressive stuff. They're into the kinds of issues that I feel good about, right? And to have, have this daddy's mad scenario, I think, is, which I think, I think you nailed it. Yeah, I think really shocked and surprised them. They, I don't know if you noticed the rework podcast for this week. They, that was brutal. That was brutal. Listening you know, to that. They, the yeah. two hosts, okay, so, so they're employed by Basecamp. And the whole point of the podcast is talking about, you know, a better way to work. And they started their podcast episode and they're like, no, we just can't do this. Like, so Basecamp is a way to yeah. work. It's, it's very it's, like trouble in paradise type. Yeah, the title of the podcast was Going Dark. I'm like, well, that's <laughs> in more ways than one. 
you know, yeah. but they're basically saying, yeah, we're going off the air because we just can't do this, you know, with a good conscience right now. I would have a very hard time doing that too. Yeah. yeah. How do you talk about anything? I mean, like Ben and I were, yeah, we were talking before this podcast. Like we were like, how, how do you not talk about this? Yeah. If you do a podcast, like, you know, you have to, you know, now that it's an issue, you have to address it. So like being a podcast at the company, I can only imagine, like, there's no way you can continue. I've been thinking this week about how, what lessons do we learn from this for Honey Badger or how do we change anything at Honey Badger if we do? Like we're not 55 employees, we're just five employees. And so that's, that makes it different, right? But as I was thinking about that, I was thinking back to when we, when we hired Ben, I think it was Ben Finley. I remember Star saying to us, the three of us privately saying, you know, maybe we need to not be dropping our political views into our general channel on Slack. Like, cause we, we would always make jokes about, you know, political figures or, you know, things because we, the three of us have, you know, fairly similar political outlooks and, and belief systems and that sort of thing. And so we find the same things, you know, we agree to most of the stuff that we share. And I remember, I think I had shared something, I don't know, and I was making fun of some politician, I don't know what it was, but, but Star was like, maybe we shouldn't do that in general anymore, because that might make our employees a little uncomfortable, like feeling like they have to agree with us, you know, philosophically or politically. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great point. And so we, we moved that stuff out of our whole employee chat room into our, just the three co-founder chat room, so we could still, you know, be amused with that stuff and not feel like we're imposing. But I think that a lot of people felt kind of betrayed. Like we thought we were in this together with Jason and David. We thought they were on our side and now they come and say this, which is totally different from what we had expected. And we feel like we're not aligned. I think yeah. so. a, lot of, a lot of was that. It seemed like a very illiberal decision. Yeah. You know, like where you're silencing. That's a $10 word, Josh. <laughs> you're silencing, <laughs> silencing dissent, basically. It just is out of character with a, you know, company that has, you know, advocated for such the opposite, it seems, you know, or at least, you know, it feels like they have. When at the same time, you know, it's, you know, there are, there's a valid point that you can't, you know, you cannot have your whole company, you know, absorbed in politics either. But again, that's it's where right. I don't, I think it's like a, it's a, yeah, it's not something that you can just have a single, you know, yeah. there's not a, there's not like a, a single line you can draw even, you know, going back to uh, with us, like we don't, we try to keep things fairly apolitical, but we've definitely, you know, we've ha definitely had some political discussions since then with our employees and even, you know, some, in some cases, like they've, you know, they've been the ones to like say something or when there's like a big event happening, you know, like something, <laughs> you know, like we haven't had any major, you know, like society affecting <laughs> events in politics recently, I know. <laughs> oh, um, but it's like, how do you uh, not, how do you not say something about that? You know, like, yeah. Like, yeah. how do you, That's how do you true. not mention that? Yeah. yeah. A Viking <laughs> is in the Capitol. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was the first thing that came to mind when you said that is like January 6th. Like that was, yeah. that was a bad day for us. And like, I remember our Slack was like, we were just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta check yeah, out. I was just like, I'm taking the day off yeah. because of, yeah. I need to, figure out if I need to flee to Canada or something. <laughs> so and I, yeah. And I totally think that kind of thing is fine. Like you got to have that space. We're all people. And, yeah. 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 Um, but at the, by the same time, that conversation didn't go for weeks in our yeah. Slack. Right. It wasn't like work stopped. Yeah. We got, you know, we got back to it after when we could. Right. And I think 
I think there needs to be a balance there. I think people need to have, feel like they can express themselves about things that they're concerned about. But I think also to your point, I think this is probably a one-on-one conversation where the, the boss comes in mm. and says, okay, I appreciate you're having a hard time. Maybe you need to take a vacation or yeah, for sure. you know, do, yeah. do X do or like some, some management. Yeah. Some management. Maybe yeah. this is a problem with like non-hierarchical type companies. It's like there's no manager who can just like yeah. take people aside and well, smooth out the tensions and mm-hmm. all that. They mm-hmm. have a head of people ops, which is where some of the power got transferred in that post. And so, you know, it's, does the CTO need to be the one that's like stepping in to like squash, you know, like they have people that are, they have managers that are supposedly like their sole, sole job is to deal with people too. Yeah. I don't know. The other thought I had about just political discussions arising at work is that like, if anything, I would say like the leaders are the ones who should be like, not 24 seven, you know, just ranting about politics in their company chat. Like the employees, if anything, like, like, I think we made the right decision. Like, okay, let's not like broadcast all of our political, like baggage and opinions in chat to make our employees feel like, like they have to like agree with us or something. But like, we didn't say like, let's, but let's make sure they don't ever talk about politics. It's just like, let's not make them feel uncomfortable by broadcasting our politics. So I think you should almost like give them more room to, you know, have to speak, you know, to involve right. their opinion opinions. And as far as the founders politics go, like it's not that you shouldn't be political, but I think that's where it comes down to like where the, you know, the company mission, I think back during the whole Coinbase debacle, mm-hmm. Ben Thompson had made a, had an interesting framework for dealing with like political things at, at, in businesses. And uh, I think like part of it was like, if a, if a company has a mission, like the company can have a mission that has like, you know, a society wide goal or whatever. And I think like the founders like moving in that, like if it's part of the company mission, like that's, that's where the founders should be, you know, that's where their politics should come through, which makes, I mean, like you start a company like that is to some extent, it's an extension of you. And I don't see a problem with like, you know, having some wanting to like change the world in the direction that you think it should be, it should go. But I think that's where like founders should kind of like moderate themselves in, at least in terms of the workplace to advocate for the mission of the company and not be like spewing all of their political, like red line bedrock issues as DHH called it. Like just, you know, that's where just, yeah. There's definitely this power dynamic and that's something I like when we hired our first employee, I was super aware of that. Like that, like there was this power dynamic where I wielded really without wanting to like more power as a, as an owner than an employee does. And so I was just, I just want to be very careful. Uh, that's why I suggested we move things to back room because it's like, I just want to be very careful not to, you know, make people feel uncomfortable. And like you talked about the mission of the company, like there's, there's different ways of looking at the mission at a company's mission, right? So there's like, you could obviously look at a company and be like, the mission of this company is to like make as much money as possible. And yes, that's like, that's valid. But I mean, that's just, sort of one side of things, right? Because like the mission of somebody building a company with people in it is actually to get, it's to create a system in which like all of these people can work together to, you know, make money or do whatever in a way that is sustainable and scalable and all of that. And part of those people is politics, right? For example, like me personally, like my existence is politicized, like as a trans person, like my existence is politicized in ways that I wish it weren't, but you know, here we are. 
that's something that has to be taken into account, I think. Like you can't just be like, okay, turn off all politics on work at work because like that's that's basically asking somebody to sort of deny some part of themselves. And it's like, I can't figure out how to make the system work with you in it. So I'm just going to ask you to um, pretend that you're somebody else to fit into the system that I made. You know, some people tossed out the the notion of, you know, they're, they're canceling my existence. And I think that that's definitely, a, I think that's one, a dangerous phrase on both sides, like someone who does actually want to do that and someone who's accusing another of doing that, right? Because we, we do bring a lot into the situations that we're in. We, we all have blind spots and it's easy to recognize someone else's blind spots without recognizing our own, you know, much easier to someone else's than our own. And no one, no one should feel like they have to turn off a part of themselves or uh, hide a part of themselves in order to be part of a community. And hmm, I have strong feelings about this. We should be able to love each other enough to be able to accept whatever, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever point they are, right? And be able to communicate that. I keep coming back to this communication part. It's like, because I think so much of this brouhaha is just communication. Like people being able to sit down and talk to each other and say, this is how I feel. What you say and what you do makes me feel this way or that way. And responding to that rather than coming down with saying, well, this is how it's going to be. I'm a pretty upfront, in-your-face kind of person with my communication style, and I'm sure I've offended more people than I could could ever count. And you know, I don't feel good about that, and I I work on that. Right, I try to be better about that, and I have my blind spots that are huge, and I'm sure I've I've rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I still will, right? But not intentionally. Like I'm not out there to hurt people, right? And mm. I think sometimes there are cases where people feel like, oh, he intentionally hurt me by doing X, Y, or Z. And it's like, well, no, they actually didn't, right? They, they, they didn't intentionally hurt you. Yeah, they can, I can see where they did hurt you. Like the hurt is real. It happened. There's no question. But there's a difference between someone that hurts you inadvertently versus intentionally, right? And I think just offering some grace to people will help a lot in smoothing that out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's idealistic. It, it seems like these issues, Star mentioned it, like these, this should not, these should not be politicized issues like and i think like a lot of this is like dealing with the fallout just of the greater like just the partisan you know what's been done to society as a whole making everything a political issue and the polarization like it's yeah bleeding into everything now right we're not allowed to talk about society in this podcast (laughs) gotta stay in our lane it it violates our policy yeah (laughs) It's just it's these. It just should, they shouldn't be political issues to begin with. Like people should be discussing things like without assuming political positions. But it's all it's like almost impossible to do that anymore. You know, like you can't. Yeah, I had mentioned I think before, or maybe to you, Ben, privately. We we're talking before the podcast, like just being professional. I don't know, like just treating people with respect. You know, obviously, like everyone is different and you're not like people have never agreed on everything. But like the tech industry especially is like made a big point about like being casual and like dropping, you know, like dropping a lot of like the the trappings of business and empowering people, which is good. But then also like, I don't know, like it just seems like there's a lack sometimes of just respect and professionalism between people like, you know, 
I can have my point of view, you can have your point of view, but we can still work together because we agree on the bigger picture or whatever. I mean, I guess that's part of the point. It's like, you have to agree. There has to be some sort of big picture that you agree on too. Right. And I think like that picture should be broad, but yeah, you know, it still has to have bounds. Well, I, go ahead, sir. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was just gonna, I was just going to kind of gently push back a little bit on the ideas that like, things can be completely apolitical and I'm not really talking about like partisan politics. I'm just more talking like in, in the more general sense. Like I think, I think to some extent pretty much everything is political and sort of wishing that the things weren't political is that would be great if there could be things that weren't political, but I think just kind of in reality, most things kind of are. And mm -hmm. like, I'm not saying that like, yeah, like I'm not saying that there's not a place for professionalism and all that. That's where the willingness to, I think that's where the, like the professionalism to me is kind of the, where the willingness to endure some discomfort comes in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah. and that's, I, I think what we're seeing in, in this statement by Jason is an unwillingness to endure discomfort. It's just like, it's like, I'm uncomfortable. You guys have to be different so that I'm not uncomfortable anymore. Yeah. 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 I, I think I, I get what you're saying. I think I agree with you. Like on a, on the grand scale of thing, or, you know, in the grand scale, like, yeah, you it, everything is political in the sense that like, if you're talking about like power structures and things like the people who don't have power, you know, like, like the people that have the power are the ones that are going to want to say like that things aren't political, I think in most cases. Yeah. yeah. And so like, if, if you are in a group that like wants to see change, like how can you not be political? Like things, so in that sense, like everything. Yeah. Is that kind of where we're what you're saying yeah, star that's, that's pretty much what yeah. I, was, I was going at and but again it's like a very, it's it's different from like partisan politics it's it, like yeah from, right you know that right. kind of politics it's yeah yeah it's kind of a different thing <laughs> yeah we all have our differences we're all different people everyone is unique right and i think we would be more accepting of differences and that would be makes the world a better place on that note, to kind of a weird segue. So we, we promised talking about the rails effect. Yeah, we got to talk about rails. We got to talk oh, about yeah. the rails. Bit. I didn't even, yeah, we got to do that. Okay. Yeah. So this is, I, I feel, I guess, a little more emotional about this because it affects me a little more directly than the base camp thing does. Because I'm so, we're, as a company, we are invested very heavily in, in the rails community. And as an individual, having been in, involved in the rails community since 2015 or so, it's a large part of my identity and my lived experience. So people are saying, well, we should fork rails. Well, like, first of all, let's talk about some of some of the employees who are leaving Basecamp over this. Okay. Yeah. Are Rails core contributors. They've contributed to a lot of the pack the, the open source ecosystem of Rails. And some of them have actually said, I'm not just leaving Basecamp, but I'm no longer going to be involved in any of these open source projects, which is that's going to put a lot of pressure on the open source community when like your, you know, your core contributors are leaving because the control structure or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I, I gotta, gotta say like that, it pains me. It pains me to see someone cause I, I, I can empathize with the weight of that decision. Like some, for some of these individuals, it's a lot of their life has been invested in these these projects that they put out there and they've it's a generous gift that they've given to the world and they feel like they have to step away from that because of this situation which i think is super painful and i can totally appreciate why someone would make that decision 
And on the, on the other hand, you know, like once having been an author of open source stuff myself, some things that have gained some popularity, there are times when it, get, it can get to a point where it's, it grows beyond you, right? Like I'm thinking right now about Faker. Like I started Faker, the Ruby Faker as a copy of Pearl Faker. And it was a fun little thing for me to have something that I wanted to see in the world. And it kind of took a life of its own. It got to a point where I wasn't interested in carrying it any further and other people were. And so now they are like, I'm still around, I, you know, occasionally might do a little bit of work here and there, but it's definitely has, has, has a life of its own. And I'm not saying I'm not, I don't want to like make a false like equivalency here. I'm not saying that, that my stuff is anywhere near as, as, as interesting or valuable as some of the, the projects that, that you're referencing, Josh, but yeah. um, I can, that's just a way to say, I can understand this feeling of, you know, one investment, this emotional investment and, and two, like sometimes things just grow beyond the individual. Yeah. Right. And so I, well, think, I, I think if anything, like I'd almost say it's time for, you know, maybe it's time for DHH to, <laughs> to think about that, at least when it comes down, it, as you mentioned, and I kind of, I kind of interrupted you. So sorry about that, but you were getting to the point that there have been already people talking about forking rails, right? Which yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> I got to say, it makes me frustrated to think about people saying, well, this is, this is a reason why I, we need to fork rails. It's obviously that the DHH is bad and we want to be good. So, and we want rails to be good. And so we have to divest ourselves of DHH. A lot of thoughts there. One is like, okay, it's really hard to have a really successful project, have a good fork. Like it, there's just, I mean, there are a lot of things yeah. there, the, the resources, the energy, you know, just a whole lot that goes into that. But, but, uh, but the, one of the my thoughts split is split in the community yeah, and the, it's really, it's live, really yeah, painful. Just, like why, why, why shoot yourself in the foot like that? And I know a lot of people think that that's a bad thought. Like it's not shooting anyway, but the DHH thing is what really, I think gets me. Like if, if you want to fork rails, okay, we can talk about that. But if you want to fork rails because of DHH's behavior, and that was the impression that I got from what I read about this one person who was talking about it. Like, DHH hasn't changed. This, this isn't new. Like, DHH has been DHH, DHH for a long, yeah. long time, right? It's kind of a running joke. Yeah. And in 2015, like, again, like, I'm trying to avoid the false equivalency thing. But in 2015, I wrote a blog post about Rails. Okay. I was, I was at that time looking at Rails, but I was still doing a lot of PHP and Perl stuff. And I wrote a blog post and I compared where Rails was, which was like, it was still almost brand new. It was like pre-version 1.0. And I compared it to like what I was familiar with in the PHP world, some frameworks that I had used, some approaches that I had taken. And I basically came to the conclusions like, well, Rails looks interesting, but it's immature. Like it's got these yeah. problems. And like DHH gave me the full bore DHH effect. He just came <laughs> after me, guns blazing. And he's all like, well, blah, 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 you know, you're dumb, you know, basically. And, and that was like his MO. Did he cyber time. bully you? Like, <laughs> was that one of the first cyber bullyings? You're, you, well, you're talking about 2005, right? I, did 2005? You, did, yeah, 2005. Did you say right. 2000? I thought you said, I said 2015. And I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah. That was five. Yeah. 2005. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I had no idea you were doing PHP. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Time flies. Anyway. Yeah. But like, like this was, this was what DHH did. Anytime anyone criticized anything about rails, he just lit into them, you know, whether it was a Java person or a Pearl, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care. Like, and that's, 
that's what he used for marketing, right? Intentionally or not, that's what he did. And it was effective. It worked. People got it, gave him attention. And DHH has been basically the same. Ever. He has very strong opinions, is not shy about expressing them. So like by saying, well, this just shows that DHH is, is a butthead and we need to fork rails because of it. <laughs> well, why did you ever participate in rails in the first place? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, know. Man, I think part of it, not, uh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, the, I was just going to say like, they're not like, it's not really a rational choice like that. They're just pissed off and they're just saying shit like people do when they're pissed off. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some of that going on. Like my first uh, reaction is just like, whoa, cool down. Let's like, let's wait. <laughs> Uh, let's not fork rails today, this week, okay? Like, <laughs> or even this month. But I think it's probably a little bit more than just like, we want to punish DHH for for his, you know, for what he did or his opinion, although that might be part of it. But I think like part of it is that DHH maintains so much, con- like so much, has so much control over rails that there really is no participating in rails without DHH being your open source boss, basically. And so yeah. the people that don't want to work for DHH, so, to the extent that they're like giving up their 15 year career at his company, I, I, I imagine are thinking like, how can I still exist in this open source community where, you know, DHH owns the trademarks for Ruby and rails and asserts them and basically has the final say on everything that happens and is very vocal about it. You know, he's not your boss anymore, but he kind of would be if you're, you know, if, if there's someone who has a say over how your project yeah. gets incorporated into the larger ecosystem or whatever. So I imagine, I imagine THH is not nice to people he's pissed off at. <laughs> that could be um, part of it too. I mean, the thing that just seems <laughs> I don't kind know. of like obvious to me is like really like any, if there is a project like rails has been around for so long and it's so central to like so many things, like it, there needs to be like, it needs to be owned by a independent rails foundation. That's a nonprofit or whatever. And yeah, sure, DHH would play a role in that, but it would be like an independent organization that, I don't know, like that just seems to be like the way that these big software projects, um, open source ones get handled and it seems to work okay. Every place has drama, but like why does Rails have to be so tied to Basecamp except that just DHH wants it to be his personal project? Yeah, it is unique in the sense that it like, you know, the roadmap for Rails basically has come out of Basecamp. Like Basecamp has been the roadmap for Rails, essentially. So like it is so tied to it, like that, you know, most of what gets into Rails, a lot of what gets into Rails is is directly like code from Basecamp, which I guess does make it kind of an interesting control structure currently. But that is the other alternative that I have heard someone mention in all of this so far is, you know, there should be some sort of larger body overseeing the project now it shouldn't just be one company and yeah if i have to pick between the two i'd much rather have a rails foundation than whatever the new rails is going to be like i don't know i was i was telling ben i don't know if i can do i i don't know if i have like the like the energy for a rails fork (laughs) at this point in my life like the other interesting thing to think about is like how this impacts our business just because we are so you know we we are very dependent on rails in a lot of different ways and it's it's our market too so you know in any case i think we're you know we're going to be involved in this whether we like it or not (laughs) yeah it's it's funny because we're we're kind of the you know live and let live kind of people like we we just we kind of roll with it kind of stuff and like 
this kind of thing is not what we signed up for. <laughs> we, we don't revel in drama, but I was joking with Josh before we got on the podcast about I need to add this kind of scenario to our risk register. You know, with our with our SOC 2 compliance, we have to list oh, out various risks to the business. And I had I'd never conceptualized that this could be a you know a business risk where I have to worry about what some random person at some other company thinks about, you know, rails or whatever. It's like, oh great. <laughs> uh, well, maybe it's time to uh, brush up on those PHP skills. <laughs> yeah, well, there's always elixir. It's what I say. I said the risk should be DHH in his damn mouth. That's just <laughs> that's what we should put on our risk register. <laughs> DHH blows up our business. <laughs> I do want. I mean, like I appreciate a lot of things about DHH and all, in fairness too. And he's been nice to me. But yeah, I just like I don't know. Like I mean, that is something. That is not a surprise, you know, that does not come as a surprise that he has opinions and, you know, enforces, you know, yeah. asserts them on people. Yeah. Yeah. Reading, reading some of the tweets that I read this week, my, some of my, sometimes I thought you did sign up to go work for DHH, right? Like you kind of knew what you were getting into, right? He is a very opinionated person and the way they run the business is very top down, right? Like most businesses are. And uh, sometimes, yeah, you're in a situation you just have to leave and uh, that sucks. I think that sucks for everybody. I think that sucks for the, the person that has to leave and, and a number of people are leaving Basecamp. I know it sucks for them and I, it, it sucks for DHH and Jason. They are losing the opportunity to interact with these fine people and to have their world broadened by the experiences that these people bring into their lives. So it's just, it's sad. I think it's sad all yeah. around. I think they're risking a lot. I don't know what they're thinking right now. After, you know, and I guess you know you could make the argument that this is this this is still just in that phase where you know the dust hasn't settled yet and people right. haven't accepted. But I mean, that's that's pretty optimistic. If you know, I guess if you know things settle down and there is no people don't fork rails. But I mean, if you know, if something if a rails fork happens, like how can that benefit? more than hurt your business in the long run when you basically, you know, depend on like, like that's a big part of their appeal in their business. I just don't see how that's good for Basecamp from just from a purely, you know, business perspective. Like right. I don't see how any of that's, you know, yeah, I guess time will tell, but <laughs> they do It'd tend to take the, the long, try to take the long view where they're like, this is for the good of the industry and the world. Like this decision is how business should be done. And so, you know, one day you all will God. agree with us. <laughs> Don't tell me this is publicity tour for their next book or this is publicity well, for their next book. Someone made the, yeah, someone did make the point. Within a week, like we've been played this whole time. Some, there was a good Sorry, tweet. Gosh. I can't remember. I can't quote it. I don't remember it verbatim, but it was about like basically like how, like Basecamp was basically like trying to communicate trust in like the trappings of like marketing, you know, as marketing or something like that. Their post was very like, it was marketing almost, you know, like it was in the voice of like, these are our big, like, you know, we're making these big changes at the company because this is how we believe the industry should move forward. I think that's kind of the gist even still. And it's always like in terms of like telling you how it should be, and I don't know, it just feels like, you know, in some way they're telling you how you should be. Don't give your touchy company announcements to the marketing department or something. 
Yeah, I guess not. Like most Americans, I love a good fall from grace, like a, a good like, reversal <laughs> of fortune story. So, so I'm just gonna get my popcorn, and you know, I don't know. Hopefully, it doesn't. Hopefully, it doesn't affect us too bad. But yeah, I think this, this is just yet another example of a good reason why you do not want to be a thought leader. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good point. True. You know, I, we, we really dodged a bullet there. We sure did. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just going to go back to, you know, running my business, keeping my head down and trying to make people happy. So s- speaking of, do we have any critical advice for the Rails community in this moment that they will listen to next week after they've made their rash are, decisions? Are, are, we, are, are we like... Weekly, what, um, what is our... Uh, our advice is like, just, you know, take some deep breaths and, and think, you know, just spend some time to think for a week or so. And if you do that, if you listen to us right now, <laughs> you'll save the community. I, I think- Oh, Josh, you just don't want to have to have a bigger CI suite. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my, I did not my, think about that star. My advice, I would just steal directly from Bill and Ted and it is to be excellent to one another. Oh, I thought I was going to need a party on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a uh, strange yeah. advice, Ben, for this moment. <laughs> but it was actually good advice. So that's party on Wayne, right? <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, oh, I got my nineties. Uh, I got my my nineties loser comedy I mean, stuff. They both kind of work in all situations. <sighs> all right. Well, I don't know. Sometimes you eat the bar, and sometimes the bar eats you. <laughs> I, feel I still don't know what that, that means, but it's from the Big Lebowski. So. It's from the Big Lebowski and it is, it's truth. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Have we said our piece? I think so. All right. Well, this has been Founder Quest. If you would like to give us a review at Apple Podcasts, that's great. Please go do that. If you want to uh, write for us, we are usually you know looking for writers for a blog and stuff. Go to our blog honeybadger.io forward slash blog and look for the right for us page and if you'd like to mimic arnold schwarzenegger saying honey badger please do get in touch oh yeah, yeah send us that. your clips do that. send um, us your wave files yeah all right if you are arnold schwarzenegger listening to this yeah you know what to do founder quest is a weekly podcast by the founders of honey badger zero instrumentation 360 degree coverage of errors outages and service degradations for your web apps If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word, where you can access our huge back catalog of episodes. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.